it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to Series 3 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the men's basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. In Season 1, we told the story God wrote of how the men in our program traded the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three, ultimately culminating in a national championship. Here's Coach Tonegal in Episode 1 talking about how pursuing God first and others second translates to any context. It's just ripe for the market. I think it's ripe for culture. Because our culture wants greatness. I am third ultimately produces greatness. I think it produces greatness inside of individuals, inside of organizations, in, inside of teams, which is the exact opposite as we've talked about the, the pull of me, which I think just distorts that greatness. This series will take listeners inside each program in IWU's athletic department, sharing how each coach is flipping the world's vision of leadership upside down, instead pursuing kingdom greatness through discipleship. The terminology in each program may be different, and the application may change. But the coaches at IWU believe pursuing God first and others second is a powerful way to live and to lead in any context. Today's episode will take listeners inside the culture of the IWU football program. The excitement has been building for months about the first ever IWU football game. Coach Jordan Langs will be joining to share how he has intentionally built the culture of the program for each man to constantly live inside his best. You will hear how his pursuit of Christ has been the driver of the culture he is trying to create as he leads this group of men. One of the quarterbacks, Zach Blair, will come on in the second half to share his story. And then Coach DeMichael will share the real reasons behind IWU football, what ultimately led to the hiring of Coach Langs, and his dream for the type of influence the program can have on the IWU community, Grant County, and beyond. We're joined now by Coach Jordan Langs. Coach, want to take listeners all the way back to two years ago when you made the decision to come to Indiana Wesleyan. You were part of one of the premier programs in the country. What was it that drew you to this place? Um, I thought it was the culmination of just so many great Christian leaders had built into me over the last probably 10 or 15 years, starting with my dad, um, who was a great coach and teacher uh, back in my high school, and then Coach Mike Swider, Coach Rad Sandberg, guys at Wheaton that really invested in me and believed in me that by the time that this opportunity came and my wife and I were, were steeped in prayer with it, it, it felt like a great opportunity to use and utilize the different training that God had provided us up to that point. And a place like Indiana Wesleyan where we could uh, pursue Christ every single day and have that be important, uh, pursue a great academic intensity while also not um, sacrificing on-field achievement and that this is a place we felt like we'd get all three of them. We're getting close to that point where fans are going to get to see you on the field for the first time, but it's been the result of a lot of hard work, a lot of prayer, a lot of different things going in. I love the the thing you guys articulate about becoming the country's premier Christ-centered scholarship-level football program. Having been here and lived it for over a year now, what have you seen that has been able to bring that to life? Yeah, I think it's a commitment from a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of work done years in advance before God brought Lindsay and I here or the, all the coaches that are here with us now. There's there's a lot of great support. There's there's a refusal to to settle for anything less than your best in every in all across the campus, but in our in our football program, we've been supported to we're going to have we're supported uh, with our funding. We're supported with 
our facilities. We're supported with academic support. We're supported with um, great coaches who are here to, that want to see these kids succeed. So there's so many things that come together, and every head football coach knows, and really any coach knows, a lot of your success will be determined by the environment you're in, and are you supported well enough to do what you think is best, do people believe in you, and we're believed in here. And a lot of people want to see us, see us succeed on the field just as much as they want to see us succeed off the field. So all those things have kind of come together. People are believing in our vision, started with coaches believing in it and then players believing in it and realizing that this is a place that can change their life forever. It's really fascinating to hear you articulate that. From, from the beginning, getting to know you and your staff and watching you guys work, one of the things that you guys talked a lot about was just the pursuit of greatness in every process you go through. And we see it lived out in your program, but it's also something that happens here at Indiana Wesleyan as Christ is the focus, but people are trying to be excellent in what they're doing. So to, to see it, how it matches up with what you believe, it, it just feels like God was out in front of you in that. So now that as we move into actual games, what does the, the future of your culture look like now that you're actually going to be judged what, by what happens on the field? Yeah, I think the original part of the culture, you know, in the early stages of it, you know, originally hired essentially three seasons ago. 2016 was our first season. I was working for Indiana Wesleyan while finishing up my time at Wheaton. That was an interesting time where it was just me, myself, and a computer recruiting remotely with a few with some help here back on campus. So the, it, you start to kind of build the culture there. Then you hire your first three coaches, and then they come. Those guys believe in you and trust in you. And then the, a year later, you bring in your first ever team, and your first players are on campus, and there's 65 of them. And the ability to, to influence them dramatically every single day is a lot easier because you're – your ratio player to coach is pretty good. And then all of a sudden now we're getting to this point and we're at 100 players and we're 15 coaches and we're 10 more support staff. And so at this point, our culture's kind of developed to the point where we felt like it was time to extrapolate it on the paper and actually be very detailed about what our core beliefs are, what are the behaviors we're looking for from our culture as a football program, and then what are the outcomes that we hope come from that culture. So it's been kind of a, the Lord's kind of put it on my heart to create some blueprints and, and start teaching and walking through it very specifically with our coaching staff and then also our players about here's the culture we expect to see and we're going to help you and teach you the behaviors that it's going to take to kind of get through the, the culmination of that. It's really interesting to compare this to coaching a basketball team because one of the things I hear you saying is you have a lot more people that you need to instill the culture within. So as you grow in the program to multiply your vision into that many people, there's going to be some more detail involved with it and some more structure around it. But what does that actually look like on a practical basis? If, if you have uh, the core beliefs that you mentioned, how do you get those lived out, not just on your top assistant or your first player, but all the way down to a player number 120? Yeah, I think the thing that I've probably been challenged most with is so much culture and Christian leadership has been pressed into me over the years that it was time to be more intentional with it. So just not that much different than basketball, I have 12 to 15 coaches that are responsible for the player's well-being and for the player's development. So my first task will be to teach this culture curriculum to my coaches. Those coaches have to buy into it, believe it, learn it, so that they can turn around in a daily basis um, imprint it and uh, teach it every single day to our players. So that's the most effective way is you have to teach a smaller group of guys to do it. 
and then those guys have to be capable and willing and passionate about teaching it to the, the players that are underneath of their authority. I'm not sure about you, but it sounds a little bit like Jesus' model, where wanting to change the world, he took three guys and 12 guys and just walked alongside them. And now 2,000 years later, there's a movement that has touched every part of this world. So you're saying, I, I have these core beliefs, and I'm going to start with a smaller group, and then those are going to extrapolate out across the entire team. Do you mind taking listeners inside what those core beliefs are? Yeah, so the three core beliefs that, that we start with is we, well, first we want, we want the culture, the core beliefs to then turn into leadership because ultimately leadership will be holding, the leaders will be holding the other players accountable to what our culture is and those core beliefs. Very similar to what Jesus would do with the disciples. He would instill the culture within the disciples. Disciples would then cast that vision out, but then they had to be held accountable back to what those, those core beliefs were. Our three core beliefs are constantly live inside my best which is where if you follow us on social media and in our around us you see the climb logo come from c-l-i-m-b so we talk about constantly live inside my best no matter what the the process is the second one is do what i said i would do we want to be people that can be trusted and have credibility and then the third one is unwavering love for others and we think this is something that really marks being a christian football program and be just being a christian uh man and husband and uh worker that is what makes us a little bit different is we are football is going to be really important but we're going to love our kids and our coaches through the highs and the lows so those are what the three core beliefs are and then those are the things that our leaders will hold uh, our players accountable to so as you have those three core beliefs you, you said those then have to move on and become part of the reality of their daily lives so what's the process then for that to happen yeah so you you've got to in order for it to become a part of your daily life, it needs to affect behavior. So it's it's one thing to say, "Hey, I believe in this core belief," or "I believe in whatever this um, whatever this thing is that you're teaching me." I believe it, but it's it's not bearing fruit into my own life. In order for it to really manifest itself, a culture is the dynamic expression of beliefs and values. So the only way beliefs and values become dynamic is if it shows up in your behavior. So we want to teach very specifically and intentionally to our our young men. These are the behaviors that if you believe in what we're saying the core belief is, it should show up in your life in these somewhat specific ways and so that the kids aren't, there's no confusion about what it actually looks like in their daily life. So in order for it to really take hold, it's got to become a personal choice by every single player to implement that core belief and letting it affect their behavior daily and then ultimately the outcome or the experience they give other people while they're living out that culture. So a player who comes inside your program you want their experience to match up with those three core beliefs. Rather than just being able to articulate those beliefs, someone who walks in feels them, they live them, and they become them over time. 100%. So when we recruit, we will focus, when, we, when we're instilling a culture in our players, we start with the belief, we go to the behavior, we go to the outcome. When we recruit somebody, the first thing that that recruit feels is they start at the back end of it. They get the experience of the outcome. So we hope that they get an experience and then they recognize certain behaviors within our program and then it traces it back to the core belief. And we hope that core belief is something that really resonates with them and they want to be a part of. So that's why, I mean, it's, it's, we, can't, we have to live it authentically in order for people to actually experience the core belief. So when, it, when we recruit, we kind of start backwards. We want the recruits to feel the experience and then work itself back to the belief. One of the things that strikes me about these is they're very different from what you may see in 
a normal football program. Unwavering love for others may not be associated with what a football player may commonly be looking for. How's that play out to, to come with such a different approach and try to draw the highest level players you can? Yeah, I think for, for me personally, I don't want to, it's not about me, but for me personally to, to construct this, I wanted my, my belief in Jesus Christ to permeate everything in my pursuit of a relationship with him, to permeate everything that I did. In my opinion, if you want a purposeful and productive culture, these, are, are these core beliefs, there's truth to them, regardless if you're a Christian or not. So it, it, to me, it wouldn't matter if I was at a secular school or at, or at a Christian school. These would be my same core beliefs. And I want people to understand that be, I have these core beliefs or our program has these core beliefs because of our pursuit of Jesus Christ. If That is the thing that's always going to tie us back to what those things mean to us. So we are, Coach Clark gave me a, a tidbit just before we get on here. If we are pursuing the vine in our relationship with Christ, then we will bear the fruit. And that's what we want it to, that's how we want it to culminate in our, our football culture is Football is the least important thing for us most of the time. It's about are we pursuing Christ, bearing fruit, and then we understand that a lot of ways this will this will connect with us on the football field too. What I've been so struck by as I, I hear your story it is just the way your pursuit of God has led you either to different places or different ideas. So as you pursue God, you're, you just have a, a bent to go all in at things. It leads you to the first job, and then the second job, then to Indiana Wesleyan as head coach at age 27. And then the, the overflow of your prayer life and pursuit of Christ are these three core beliefs. So it's really just an extension of who you've become in your pursuit of Christ. So maybe if you're talking to other football coaches or other leaders, what does it practically look like to lead this many people and have the pressure to, to start a football program and pursue greatness, but in the process that to overflow from your daily life pursuing Christ? Well, I think what there is a lot of pressure. There's a lot of expectation. There's a lot of there's stress. Uh, my wife could probably give you the pretty good details of all that. But for, for me, in order to, a lot of those things will break you. And a lot of times we'll come up with challenges in that. But if I am, if I really authentically feel like I am prayerfully in the center of God's will, and my pursuit of everything that I'm doing in my life every single day is of the pursuit of Christ and being in His will. The stresses and the pressures will come, they'll go. Sometimes they'll get you down. Sometimes you can work through them. But if if, if my path is is passionately pursuing in, in, in my own life, the discipline of prayerfully pursuing what Christ's will is for me and trying to be live in the center of His will, then, man, a lot those, those challenges that come and those mountains that come, they may take a while, and they may take a while to, to summit or to climb, or if I, in our term in the in the football program, strike the pick to try to climb the mountain. Those things, we can have faith in knowing that those things will, will be overcome if our pursuit is authentically in God's will and pursuing Christ at the same time. So you're right. I have the, the, the notion to, if I start it, I want to finish it. I want to do it really the best I possibly can do it. And the only, the only way to keep that from, I think, to get to keep from it getting becoming egotistical or arrogant or too much to bear is to know that you're living in the center of God's will. Last thing, Coach Langs, you guys have been getting, before playing a game, some high-level football players and beating out programs that are established, that are maybe at quote-unquote higher levels than you, without ever winning a football game. So maybe now you can talk to – that high school recruit who's getting recruited all over the country from various levels, 
Why is Indiana Wesleyan the uniqueness and what's different about it? The place that players should choose, even when they have a myriad of options. Yeah, I think for us is we just we're, we're going to be really honest with recruits right from the beginning. Indiana Wesleyan football is different. It is a different place because we are going to be a Christ-centered football program. There's going to be some social expectation. There's going to be a level of high expectation that we're going to put on you from from within. Um, but this place can change you because of the people that are around here. We we encourage to players to make their college decision based on people. The people that you're going to be around are going to make your experience. The people you're going to be around in these four years are going to influence you the most out of the rest of your life. Make your decision based on people. We think if players can focus themselves on that, they're going to see a group of people on campus and in the football program that are really, really concerned about their well-being and about them being the best they possibly can be in their pursuit of a relationship with Christ. So once they establish that point, then it also helps that we have the best facilities in the country. We have the ability to give scholarship if needed. Uh, if a kid, if a, if a play, young man comes and he is, he feels like he has the ability to play at the next level or play professionally or play in the NFL, then he recognizes I don't have to sacrifice my the coach's ability to develop me to the best player I possibly can be because this place is equipped for me to become the best player on the field. But more importantly, it's equipped for me to grow as what it, what does it mean to be a, a godly and a, and a Christ-following husband, father, and worker, and this is the best place for me to do that. A lot of what I hear Coach Lang's talking about is the focus of the process is more about who people are becoming and not only what a player is doing in that moment. And it, it takes me back to episode six when Evan Maxwell talked about choosing Indiana Wesleyan from Kansas University and how he became a better man, but also a better basketball player being in this environment. And it's going to be fun to watch over this year and coming years, as Coach Lang's vision comes to life increasingly every year, the level of football player it's going to draw to Indiana Wesleyan. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group who is building a culture of I am third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG president, Trent Daly. Pursuing the I am third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're joined now by Zach Blair, one of the quarterbacks for the Indiana Wesleyan football team. Zach, we're sitting here at the end of July. It's a Monday, and your first practice is this Friday. Tell me about the excitement that you guys are feeling right now. You know, it's uh, it's crazy to think that, you know, when I got here in January that, you know, we're almost a month away from our first game, and, and you know, full camp is about to start um, on Friday night. And, you know, it's going to be cool to finally get a, an entire team together, you know, over 100 guys. And, um, you know, the excitement is there for sure. You know, it's, 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 there's a buzz in the air. Um, in the facility, there's a buzz around campus. There's a buzz in the community. Um, having numerous conversations with people not even in, not even affiliated with Iowa, just how excited they are that there's going to be you know a college football team in their town, and you know it's 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 a cool 
environment and it's a cool and unique situation to, to be a part of. Well, let's go back a little bit to your story and really hear how you got to Indiana Wrestling. Going back all the way to high school, when, when you were going through the recruiting process, talk, talk about how that all unfolded. Right, so coming out of high school, I was actually a very highly sought-after baseball recruit. Um, had about 10 Division One offers to go play baseball. Um, you know, my heart growing up and my heart in my household has always been football. So, you know, my whole goal my entire life was to go play Division One football. Um, so along with those baseball offers, I ended up getting a couple opportunities to go play football in the MAC. Um, ultimately ended up choosing Ball State. Um, really felt like that's where God wanted me, and, and God gave me a passion for football. So, you know, I wanted to trust that and trust that he wanted me to go play football. Uh, my mom and my girlfriend didn't necessarily agree with that because they didn't want to see me get hurt. Um, but, you know, that's, that's what I was feeling and where I, where I was being called to go. So um, ended up choosing Ball State. Um, was there for two and a half years, um, you know, worked my tail off those two and a half years. Um, this past season ended up getting the opportunity to play in five games. Um, got the opportunity to start my last game. Uh, it was actually my start my first game um, on ESPNU against Toledo. Um, and kind of an unfortunate circumstance happened. I was um, started the game off really well. I was three for three, really getting in rhythm, really excited, you know, about the opportunity I was getting. Um, had 30-plus people in the stands from my hometown and family and friends there to watch me play. And about five or six plays into the game, I ended up breaking my fibula and tore a medial ligament in my ankle. Um, and at that point, you know, getting carted off the field and, and heading into the locker room to get x-rays, you know, I really was just – so angry because you know I'd waited my opportunity I, I you know I, I was patient um, really consistent and persistent in my prayer life just asking God to give me an opportunity I feel like this is my opportunity and it wasn't five plays in I it was just all taken away take us in Zach a little bit more how are you processing that so you put all this time two and a half years you're working you're grinding you're putting right. your all into something and then you get the opportunity of a lifetime on ESPN and you're playing really well, and then that moment happens. So you go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows right. in the moment. How did you process well, that? Well, I honestly, I was denying it as soon as it happened. So I, I heard the crack, wasn't sure what it was. I felt pain in, in my lower leg. Not knowing what it was, I tried to get up, and I got back in the huddle because I wanted it so bad. I wanted to play so bad. I had, I had worked my butt off for, you know, the 10-plus years I've been playing football for this opportunity to be able to play you know, in the spotlight on ESPN. So there was no way I was coming out of this game. And so I got back in the huddle, and the coaches were just looking at me bug-eyed and mortified. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is not good. They told me to go down. And, and when I was getting carted off, I'm just like, man, God, like, what, what are you doing right now? What, what is your plan for me right now? Is it here? Is it somewhere else? What, where are you calling me? And I remember, you know, it wasn't five minutes after it happened. I was in the x-ray room. Doctor came in, told me I broke my fibula, um, may have tore a ligament in my ankle because they couldn't see that on an x-ray, um, and that I was going to require surgery. And I'm just like, man, like this is, this is crazy. So I go in the locker room. My parents walk in, and for about five to ten seconds, my dad just comes and hugs me, and I just lose it. And I'm bawling. You know, mm. I'm just like, this is the craziest thing that I've, I've ever experienced you know God puts me in the situation to glorify him 
and takes it away as soon as it or before it can even begin. And I'm in the locker room and call my girlfriend, you know, kind of explain to her what's going on. She's bawling. And I, I remember in that moment when I called her, I just said, God's going to bring good out of this somehow, some way. God's going to do something crazy through this situation. Uh, so, so then fast forward, because from that, you end up transferring. As you go through the transfer process, talk a little bit about what were your first impressions of Indiana Wesleyan, then how did you end up coming here? Right. So, I mean, if I'm going to be honest with you, Indiana Wesleyan was a backup plan for me. Um, you know, it was going to be a good backup plan, obviously, but it was my backup plan. Um, I still had a lot of opportunities to go play Division One, which, you know, I really wanted to pursue. I um, really wanted to, to continue to compete at the highest level. Um, so as soon as I got my release on a Thursday morning around 8 a.m., it wasn't 15 minutes later, Coach Langs and Coach T um, followed me on Twitter. We ended up getting in contact, setting up a visit for the following week on Tuesday. Um, me kind of blowing them off, being like, yeah, I'll set up a visit, whatever. Like, you know, it's in high school. I really want to go play Division One. Um Ended up talking to a lot of more Division One coaches and, and getting things set up and, and whatnot. And um, going on my visit to Indiana Wesleyan on, on a Tuesday night, it was crazy because it wasn't before I even pulled into the parking lot. I drove right on campus, um, was pulling into the parking lot of the football facility, and I, was, I just felt God's presence and I felt God just nudging me to, to, to be at this place, to be at this, this NAIA school where – it was 25 minutes up the road from Ball State. Um, so I ended up going on my visit, meeting the coaches, um, having a conversation with them. And we weren't there 20 minutes. And me and my dad both walked in the bathroom after having a conversation with Coach Langs. And, and this is before they offered me or before they gave me an opportunity to play here. Um, I just remember looking at my dad and we just started laughing. And we, and we were just like, we just felt the joy there and we felt the, the camaraderie that the, the staff had and we felt the, the, we want you presence there. And we felt Christ more than more importantly than anything. And so, um, ended up committing that night to IWU after they offered me, ended up committing there. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's the story of me getting here. Uh, so let's fast forward now seven months or however long it's been. Right. What, it, what's been your experience? If you talk about, you know, you mentioned level, and that's something people throw about. Level of play you've seen. Uh, what's been what's been uh, here at Indiana Wesson that maybe you weren't expecting when you first thought about coming to this school? Um, you know, especially with our situation with football, you know, we're a startup, obviously. So me being – I'm the oldest guy on the team. Um, a lot of guys call me grandpa on the team just because I'm so much older than everybody. But there's a few transfers that came in with me. But um, – you know, really having no idea what to expect when I, you know, that first weight room session that we had, really having no idea what to expect when we have our thir- first throwing session in January, really not knowing what to expect when we get to spring ball. Um, the talent level that we have, the way that we compete, the way that the coaches compete with each other, with other schools, and, and, and important, most importantly, the relationship that they cultivated with us is, is second to none. Um, Especially our talent. I mean, we have guys who should not be playing at this level. But, I mean, they're Division One talent guys. But they're here because they love the mission of the university. They love the, the program that Iowa football has started. Um, and and to, be, to be honest with you, I wish I had more than two years of eligibility left because 
I would I would stay here forever if I could. That's just how much. You know, that's a, that's a story we hear a lot from guys who transfer in here because they find a community here that they did not know was possible right. where there's other people who care as much about the game and compete as hard and are trying to strive for the highest level. Find people who share a common vision for what life should be. So maybe talk a little bit about that. What's it like to be on a team with so many guys who have common purpose and right. mission? So me having the opportunity to be able to play at a secular Division One school, you know, my faith was really my anchor during that time. And it was really something that I had to pursue, that I had to be intentional about, that I had to, you know, seek out pastors to meet with, seek out people to meet with, seek out – FCA groups, athletes in action groups, different things. I really had to seek out. We're here at Iowa. Those guys that I had to seek out are now my best friends. Those guys that, I, that I've cultivated relationships with that I would do anything for in a matter of weeks, we, we created a, a bond and a relationship that I've never had with anybody. Um, so to be able to not only be pushing your faith in the classroom with chapel by the coaches – you know, because you can get that at about every Christian school. But to be able to have those relationships that you can create with your teammates who you're going to scratch claw and, and fight to win games with and guys who you're going to cry with and guys who will be in your weddings and having that opportunity to, to create those relationships so, so fast like I did, it, it's been one of the biggest blessings, one of the biggest surprises that I would have ever expected coming to this school. So what would you say to uh... – a high school athlete, maybe it's a senior in high school and they're saying, Hey, here's a guy that I might play with for a year. Why should a high school athlete consider coming to Indiana Wesley and maybe over other options that some people in the world might look at as a quote unquote higher right. level? So, I mean, coach Langs and our, and our staff has our, have out recruited some division one schools just because of our niche that we have. So the one thing I would say to a recruit who is looking to go play at a higher level is, the relationships that you'll cultivate and the the opportunities that you'll have to grow spiritually because above all else, above however, however many games you win, records you break, passes you complete, touchdowns you throw, whatever, those things kind of fade away. And after your four or five years here at Iowa, the important thing is going to be what is your relationship like with Christ? What is your relationship like with God? What are your relationships with your friends, your family, your hopefully your future spouse, what are those relationships and how, how are you building those instead of just looking at it from, from the football perspective here at Iowa. And I would say across the board through all sports, the main focus is your relationship with Christ. And are you growing in that? Now, I think the cool thing about us is when you look at that, so you look at our, the relationships that we're cultivating and the relationships that you have with Christ, we're still not sacrificing wins and losses. I mean, you've seen the facility. I mean, if you come to Iowa, you will see this place loves sports. I mean, if, especially if you see the football facility, it's better than – quality-wise, it's better than any Division One school I've ever seen. I mean, the facilities here are, are insane. And despite the facilities and the uniforms and all the cool stuff, the main thing that, that should be your focus is how is your relationship going to be with Christ after these next four to five years. And it really is one of the blessings of being a part of this place because they're saying – discipleship, growing men and women of Christ through athletics is the point of what we're doing. That's the mission. But we're not going to use it as a, as a crutch to sacrifice pursuing excellence in these exactly. areas. And you've communicated it. Facilities, the coaching staff, the relationships, 
you're getting that at the highest level by playing here. So final question, Zach. Uh, when this podcast is released, we'll be coming up on the first game ever played at Indiana Wesleyan in a, in a football facility. What should fans be expecting to see? Um, to be honest, you're going to see a team that's going to come out and they're going to love each other more than anybody will ever love each other as brothers in Christ and brothers on a football team. You will see no other team fight, scratch, claw to win games, to fight, to fight for this university, to fight for the coaching staff, to fight for their brothers. Um, and to be quite honest, every single person in our, in our building with the football program believes we will win right away. We're not going to use the first-year program as a crutch. We're not going to use we're young as a crutch. Coach Langs has made it very clear that we are going to win games and we are going to do it at the highest level that we can. Um, so you will see a team that is going to win, to be, to be quite honest with you. Well, Zach, and I, I know there's a lot of fans that are really excited to be out there and even having heard your story and from Coach Langs in the first half are going to be praying alongside you guys as, as you get going. So best of Thank luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. We're joined by Coach Mark DeMichael talking about the football program. Coach, we want to rewind eight years, I think it is, when you first started as athletics director studying football. When did it click for you or for the decision makers that this is something we had to do for the university? Yeah, it was a long process. And I remember very clearly sitting in a talking to the board meeting, presenting to our board of trustees talking about what what football would bring to the table and it started with a couple of different factors here's why football would be a good thing for indiana wesley and it was it was more financial it was logistical type this is the positive of football and the room was very lukewarm and i remember getting then to the point where i talked about mission and in the expansion of the iw athletic mission which in turn expands the mission of indiana wesleyan university and sharing with them that I think we would all agree that there is a void in our country today of strong Christ-like male leadership. Hmm. And as a a Christ-centered institution is not part of our responsibility and calling to help fill that void. And what better way could we be true to that mission and that calling that God has given us than to start a program that would open up doors for us to bring 120 more young men onto this campus to be mentored and taught and pushed to become Christ-like leaders in our country. And you just sense, you could sense a shift in the room when, when that came out, and the Holy Spirit moving and hearts opening up to see that not only is this an opportunity, this might be a responsibility that we have as an institution to, to do something like this. That's really a different way to look at it because obviously there's huge implications for football, both the culture of the campus, the finances of the campus, but you're saying it was a mission decision because of the uh, discipleship of strong male leadership, but that's also a, could be seen as an overwhelming responsibility to find a leader who can get in front of a hundred to 125 people and push them in that direction. So as you then went to that next phase the decisions made were going to have football as the leader of the athletic department. What were the things you were really looking for when you tried to identify that leader? Yeah, we knew all along and in all of my research, I knew and you, I kept hearing consistently from people I talked to the single biggest decision you'll make in starting a football program is choosing the leader of that football program. That, that is the decision. So a lot of prayer, 
a lot of prayer going in, not just prayer about who that coach is going to be, but prayer about who is going to be on that search committee, who are the perspectives and the personalities and the, the mindsets of, of people that would give us a, a team of a search committee that would, that would bring the best possible opportunity for the Lord to really lead us in that decision-making. So we, we got that group together and we talked about some of the key factors that we were looking for. And we knew we were less concerned, to be honest with you, about the, the football knowledge and more really concerned about uh, the personality, the heart, the passion, the energy level of this person. And really a, a key factor we were looking for was the presence of this person. We knew that starting something from the beginning would require not just an incredible work ethic, but also uh, a presence where when this person walked into a room, people would sit up and notice and want to listen to what this person had to say. Um, there's that with itness factor that, that some leaders have. And we felt like doing what we wanted to do and starting this huge program from scratch, that was going to be a big piece of what we looked for outside of, secondary to the passion for the mission of IW and the calling to mentor and disciple young men for Christ through football. It's a powerful vision to think about if that happens, you get that many men moving in the same direction for mission. There's such an influence that can be had. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But just if you go back, that's two years ago that Coach Langs was hired. What have you seen in the building of the culture of the football program as, as you've walked alongside him and observed and see how the program's grown leading into game one? It's been fun. It's been so rewarding to watch Jordan work uh, right from the beginning. Uh, the first decision he had to make was hiring his, his full-time staff and seeing his commitment to hiring men who were completely committed to the mission and who he could have a level of trust in that they were going to buy into this building of culture from scratch and the, the focus on Christ-like mentorship and discipleship through the avenue of football. And what I saw was, again, the, the, the answer to prayer of that search committee uh, two years ago as we prayed for leadership and direction and discernment in that decision and to see Jordan really work and see his passion and really get, see him energized by not necessarily the football, but by the culture decisions and the, the nuts and bolts of building not just a football program, but a culture really energized him. And to see him light up and, and be energized by that challenge and then have it absorbed in, and integrate throughout every decision he was making was a... Uh, a lot of fun to watch him. It's been a lot of fun to watch him work uh, through that. So before we get to the football piece of it, when you sit in a room with the key decision makers, the president, the cabinet, what is the hope and potential for impact of, of having the presence of football and these men who are pursuing the right things on campus? What could that do? Boy, only God knows what it can do, but it's exciting to think about the potential of that. You have 100 young men on campus and <clears throat> growing and seeing how God can use their gifts of football ability, academic ability to impact the world for his kingdom and not their own personal glory. That's counterculture to, to athletics and to football in general. So, and, and just what football brings to the table. You know, there, there is a, a segment of our culture that would say you're not a real college if you don't have a football <laughs> team because... Football on a fall Saturday on a college campus is such a huge part of our culture in this country, and it's part of what you expect. It's collegiate. So for us to have that, that missing piece now, I think it benefits the entire community, our campus community, our students that aren't football players, uh, to have a pride in this school and to feel like they're really experiencing the full college experience with that umbrella of a 
a Christ-centered institution, a football a program that reflects that. I think the impact the Lord can use that for is is um, is exciting to think about and unlimited. So let's get to a, a football Saturday here on campus. The first one's coming up soon as we record this podcast. As the athletic director, what are you most excited about seeing on an actual game day for the first time football is played at Indiana Westland? Yeah, I'm excited for it to get here. First of all, it's been a long journey. But I think I'm most excited to to walk to walk the facility and just feel the excitement. Um, it's It's been fun to feel the excitement growing over the last two years, and it continues to grow both on our campus and around Marion and Grant County. So wanting to be out there and not get so caught up in the work, because it's going to be a crazy day hmm. on September 1st. There's going to be a lot to do and a lot of people doing a lot of things to make this day a special day and a historic day. But I, I need to remind myself to take time and step back and really feel the energy because I think there's going to be an incredible amount of energy on this campus and around that football stadium that I'm really looking forward to experiencing. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWOO Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWOOHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at IWOO Hoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.